You're watching Deprogrammed. This is the New Culture Forum's latest show, devoted to fighting back against the forces of ideological conformity, particularly among the young. My name's Harrison Pitt. I'm a senior editor at the European Conservative, and I'm thrilled to be joined today, as ever, by Evan Riggs, a freelance journalist, and our special guest this week, Carl Benjamin, director of lotuseaters.com. Now, uh, Carl, we've seen in recent weeks, and in fact in recent years, that mm. corporate mega giants are increasingly using their immense financial power to try and bend people into shape Ide ideologically. We've seen Nigel Farage get debanked. And fortunately, we're now in a situation where Coots have egg on their face, NatWest has egg on its face, the BBC has egg on its face. Have you been encouraged by, uh, do, do you regard this as a culture war victory for the, for the right of sorts? If you do consider yourself on the right, I don't know if you do. I would consider myself on the right. Um, yes, it is a victory, but it's not enough of a victory um, because the there's a kind of mainstream liberal intelligentsia uh, that is currently not accepting that they have taken this L. Uh, Emily Mattis <laughs> on her the news podcast. I can't remember the exact name of it. Emily the, who? Emily Maitlis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. Maitlis. Sorry. And you, you've seen the clip going around where she's trying to rationalise, oh, Nigel Farage has turned this into victimhood. Mm. It's like, well, no, he was the victim yes. of a politically motivated deplatforming. And her, Alistair Campbell, people like that are refusing to accept that that is what has happened. Mm. Because if they accept that that's what's happened, then they have to admit that they are part of a power structure that has been abusing its power. And instead, they are trying to frame Nigel Farage as the establishment, uh, which is ridiculous because of course Nigel Farage is being is the target mm. of the deplatforming so obviously he isn't the one pulling the strings and the fact that Farage has expertly twisted this turned the direction of the attack back onto them and has taken two scalps now mm. the CEO and the the chair um, is very very good and Maitlis's sort of rearguard action on her podcast that has to be overturned as well uh, the the lie that Nigel Farage wasn't debanked for his political views uh, needs to be uh, fully overturned. People have to understand that they did this because they said literally that his values was, were not in line with the bank's values mm -hmm. and that he was a racist or xenophobic grifter, yes. uh, which is insanely online Twitter talk. Yes. And so it, it, the this has to be an indefensible position for people like her. Uh, yes. and and, and uh the notion that it wasn't a politically motivated debanking mm. was faithfully <clears throat> reproduced by the BBC on the basis of yes. a single source, and not only a single source, but a single source with a vested interest in being dishonest about it, if yes. it were a political, and yet that still went up as, a, yeah. as, a, as a, an entirely bona fide bit of reporting. The, the BBC showed no journalistic curiosity to speak of in that, in that episode, and it's good that they've apologized as well, but I... But, the, the, but that's not good enough, right? The, the, the thing is, what this has done is this has shown us that there is some kind of entity that is living within our civilization. And this entity is this, this, this secret leviathan that is occupying these positions of power. It moved in tandem, mm. right? There is, it, it's, it's not by accident that the hundreds of journalists at the BBC all forgot Hang on, aren't I supposed to have two sources to corroborate mm. something? It's a very, the very mm. entry level. It wasn't that they forgot. It's that they knew that there was a political motion in progress, right? With Coots has done something against a, an identified enemy of the regime. Now we have to move in support. It's literally like you know, like a phalanxes plan. of men moving yes. up to support another yes. on a battle. Pincer movement, mm. precisely. Yes. And Farage, thankfully, was strategic enough to be able to get out of the trap and encircle it upon them, which is great. But really what we should be looking at is at the structure of this hidden leviathan. Mm. Why did it move? Who makes these motions? Why, are the, why is this happening? Why is Maitlis on her podcast now playing a rearguard defense for it? How can we get the public and the, the people who are involved to identify this structure and dismantle it? Because it shouldn't exist. It's a parasitic entity that mm. is controlling the way policy works in this country. And it, it's the thing that is what, it's the thing that's leading us down the continual path of ruin. Do you think that Curtis Yarvin's conceptualization of the, the cathedral 
and that this would be sort of an action by what he might call blue church mm. in that it is actually a religious mandate it is based on the fact of Farage's supposed deplorable views and yes. this is what people bandy around do you think it's kind of fundamentally theological I think that it is the sincere belief system of these people uh, when you when you and I, I'm, I'm just as guilty I mean it is in a way you could describe it as theological it comes mm. it comes with a kind of divine writ that exists prior to knowledge of the world that needs to be imposed on knowledge of the world so it does act in a sort of sharia law way uh, for progressives um, but they will just dodge this by saying well we don't have any uh, metaphysical commitments we don't we mm. don't say that there's a god or anything like that so they'll they'll escape the charge of it being theological even though it acts in exactly the same way uh, but yavin's uh characterization of it as being a cathedral is broadly correct mm. because it is a system of belief and the uh, believers have shibboleths in order to identify who is in the church and who is not in the church and so when they see the church move against a heretic or an enemy uh, then they all fall into line and they do what is supposed to be done of them even if it fatally compromises their credibility even if it is something that eventually costs them their job and again the, the two highest people in the bank have gone yes. so it's it's remarkable what they're prepared to sacrifice for this faith I think Eric Weinstein has a good coinage on this where he calls it the DISC, the Distributed Idea Suppression Complex, where it's, I think often when we think about these things like, uh, it, it's like a top-down sort of mandate from the, the head of the BBC of like, okay, we're gonna like support this mm -hmm. action. Um, you don't need to worry about two sources. But I think it's more of a fact that kind of people spontaneously fall into order and they know yes. exactly what to do, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been trained into them by the the very institutions, which I think now the British public, I think the American public has been there probably since 2020, mm. um, or at least a certain sizable segment of it, are beginning to fundamentally lose faith in the, the sort of myth of neutrality as it appeals to our, our yeah. institutions. Do, the, there's the, what was the DISC acronym? Distributed Idea Suppression Complex. Right. What, what, I, what I don't like about that as the description is it's, the, it's an external description. Uh, and so it doesn't inform you as to why it would act and mm. what it would suppress. That is the mechanism, but it's not the essential beating heart of it right. underneath it, right? And so you see the mechanism in action, but why is it acting? And it, as you say, they, they, it didn't require an order from on high. These people saw it and knew they had a part to play because really what this is, going back to the religious metaphor, it's a crusade. Sure. They are on yep. a crusade to bring about the progressive paradise on earth and this is what they think is going to happen. And so the, the metaphor of a cathedral is apt and this is sincere true belief. And it's so important that all of the other beliefs that they think of, of you know, integrity, justice, uh, decency, all of these things can go out of the window. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's way more important than all of that, and the ends totally justify the means. Um, and this is what we need to be conscious of. Yeah, people very rarely have principles, but they almost always have politics. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, I mean, Carl Schmidt once said, you know, the, the fundamental line in politics is between friend and enemy. Do you think that there is a, a sort of base reality in the same sort of a, the friend-enemy divide of that you will either crusade or be crusaded against? it's always going to be a sort of holy war one way or another? Um, there is a lot to say on this. Um, I think it's too simplistic mm. uh, to boil down all of politics to that. Um, it depends on a lot of things. For example, um, traditionally in Britain, we have the loyal opposition. We don't have an enemy camp that we are trapped within the country to fight. Yes. Uh, this actually... Um, is a kind of French revolutionary view uh, that I suppose continental Europe and now the United States has mm -hmm. adopted and it's coming over here. You see um, Sadiq Khan attempting it. You see, uh, what's Keir Starmer's second, what was her name? Angela Davis. Angela Rayner. Yeah. Angela Rayner. Yeah, you see her. Angela, Angela Davis was involved in the yeah. genesis of BLM, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, wrong one. Uh, but a Angela Rayner trying to do the same thing where it's just, oh, my enemy is just, in fact, my enemy is how we will characterize them. Yes. Um, but that's not how politics in Britain was traditionally done because we were all loyal subjects of the crown. And there was also enough in the way of a, a soft 
a soft Christian moral consensus mm. such that mm. it, it wasn't necessary to conceive it. So I, I think that in the absence of a moral consensus, yes. uh, moral zealotry between a, opposing sides who, so to speak, mm -hmm. want to, uh, they want to ca capitalize on the void and they mm. want to claim it for themselves, that temptation is going to be there when mm. you have a, a culture a culture which has embraced mm -hmm. a, a wasteland of relativism and wants to repopulate it with something meaningful, that, that's going to cause a lot in the way of battle and a lot in the way of conflict. But when there is already a moral consensus yeah. in, in place, when there is already enough in the way of shared values, politics is um, slightly neutralized of some of its fervor because then yeah. politics becomes about, well, how are we going to make good on the values which we already share? How are we going to implement them best? And I think that given that we're, we, we are um, suffering something of a crisis of meaning in the West, rather than trying to make good on the values we, we already share, we're trying to create new values. And that, that, that inevitably is going to involve a fistfight and, and the need for exactly that kind of Schmittian distinction between, between friend and enemy. It's, I, think it, I think it's a bit more than that as well. So it's, it, Schmidt is not wrong that this is something that can and does happen. And we are seeing it right mm. now. I mean, this is clearly uh, the, the progressive crusade targeted Nigel Farage because it thought it could take him as a kind of a fortress in the in the culture war and it turns out they couldn't and they suffered a tremendous defeat and so the, the Schmittian axiom there does apply um, but it's not just that there are ways of doing politics that are um, values based um, the, the 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 issue with reducing everything to values you're reducing everything to again a, a kind of intellectual calculus whereas in previous eras, the legitimacy of the opponents is not in the arguments that they are making. It is in that they are what they are, as in these are my countrymen and they have an issue. And so the Labour Party may be a good vehicle to present this issue. And I, being sentimentally attached in some way to my fellow countrymen, I don't want to see them destroyed. Right? I don't want to see them totally routed, deprived of all power and unable to articulate a political will and instead be subject to mine and whatever that follows from that because I care about the emotional and material state of my fellow countrymen. I don't want them subjugated. I don't want to be the king and lord over them. Right? I want them to be respected and in turn this fosters a politics of cooperation where, okay, we may disagree and we will level our arguments, but the point is not to undermine and ruin the opponent and the, 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 your interlocutor, um, because as you were saying, there's this kind of shared sentimental substratum on, on which we both yes. live. And if, if you've got a kind of politics that understands that you could look at the country as a whole as a kind of story, right? And so if you were to analogize the country to like the Iliad, the people in it aren't replaceable, right? They are actual, they're mythological points and nodes to which other parts of the story hang contingently. Uh, so if Achilles doesn't kill Hector, Priam can't go to <coughs> Achilles' camp to retrieve his son's body. At no point would I want to remove or interchange any parts of those stories because I, I have a love of the thing and I understand that this is a big web of things that are all interlaced and I'm just one part of it. In, and so I can, ex, I can express power and make demands that are not disrespectful to the people I'm making demands of. And I, I, I'm, I'm waffling a bit here, but like, it's hard to describe what I'm trying to it, it, like put forth, you know? There's, there's a way of doing politics that isn't merely friend-enemy. Absolutely yeah. there is. But, but, and and I, I would agree that it's not just a question of we have competing uh, moral visions. It's not purely values-based in that sense. <coughs> or, it did, or it did, rather, it didn't used to be when politics had less of this yeah. fervor to it. Um, but values are certainly important. And if you have a situation in which people don't live, mm. belong, within a shared normative framework, which, mm -hmm. which isn't too exacting, but is, 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 mm -hmm. is pretty broad. And is, if, there's, if there is not that, as I say, what used to exist, let's say in the 19th and early 20th century, mm -hmm. a, a soft Christian moral mm -hmm. consensus, because of course it didn't apply during the, Refor during the Reformation. No. Uh, but at least in that, but even then though, at least during the Reformation, people were fighting over, or in, in, the, in the wars of religion, mm -hmm. people were fighting over readings of a shared moral compass 
It was just as they disagreed on a matter of interpretation. But today, what we're engaged in civilizationally is an attempt, a, a quixotic attempt, I think, to try and build some kind of new moral compass. And that's going to cause a lot more in the way of fighting because there is, the stakes are so profound. I believe it was Lee Kuan Yew in his later years speaking at Harvard where he talked about the, the f two fundamental preconditions necessary for like a healthy democracy. And he mm. said you need to have um, institutions that were strongly rooted in a shared value and an agreed upon relative endpoint. Not, not mm. necessarily specific, but like maybe just like make Britain better would be an endpoint, <laughs> right? Um, whereas, and then you can basically argue but the best within, path within to that, get there within, within, within those frameworks. Mm. But it, it seems to me now what you have, at least in this country, is you have uh, perhaps the left would say something like, we don't need to uh, almost like abolish Britain in a, in a very much uh, kind of uh, Hitchonian sense. We could say um, that it, this is just a place for anybody of the world to go to and there's no essential British character. Mm. And then you have the right kind of grasping into the past to, to, to try to see if they could rekindle and resurrect something that has now been kind of degraded and discarded. And it seems to me that we're kind of sailing in between uh, Scylla and Triboides here. I can't really pronounce that correctly. Yeah, that that's Triboides? about right. Um, in that to navigate a sort of sensible center, we might say, um, you have to kind of, you, you have to avoid the, the pitfalls of mm total moral relativism or totalitarian um, moral imposition, which seems like a very tough needle to thread. The, the problem as well is that there's no connection between the left and the right anymore. Exactly. They're, they're arguing in, they're going two completely different directions. But it, it's not just that they're going in different directions. It's that they viscerally hate each other. Mm -hmm. They actually, f and this is how they feel about one another. And that's really what this all comes down to, is what's written on men's hearts. And it used to be, okay, well, I don't like this person, but at least I can see that they're doing something for the people who support them. Mm -hmm. right? At least I can recognize that were I totally at that person's mercy, they wouldn't utterly destroy me. Do you think it's hatred or do you think it's disgust? Because I always think that hatred is specified and disgust yeah. is generalized. And what really people want to do is they want to clean the Brexiteers out of the financial system. I mean, it I, ma it ma I but think it manifests. It's, it's absolutely both. both. Mm. Yeah, it manifests easily in the form both. of hatred, but in terms yeah. of how it manifests. And the, the, and, but the, it's a genuine hatred as well. This isn't a, a lot of the time. This is something that these people have actually stewed on. Um, and become very bitter people in the process. And so now, just the very notion of treating with Nigel Farage, for example, on whether he should even be allowed a bank, there's the, the, the sort of Emily Maitlis constituency. I find that just, just viscerally unpleasant to consider. Mm. No, Nigel Farage should be probably executed in the public square, actually. Uh, and this is essentially makes our, I mean, I, I'm so glad I'm not American because <laughs> I would hate to be trapped in a country with the Democrats. Mm. Like the Republicans are kind of soft, really. And so if, if, they, if, if, the, if the Democrats stopped trying to destroy the Republicans and everything mm. they stood for, then the Republicans would stand down. Yeah. But the, the Democrats simply can't do that because of the emotional crusade that they're on. Yes. And so I'm glad I'm not trapped in a country with those people because America being like a social contract nation, means that anything within the law is pretty much acceptable. Mm. And that's kind of awful, because that means that it's not inappropriate to ruin someone if it's legal. And in England, no, that's wrong. Why are you doing that to Frank over there? You know, he, okay, I disagree with him. So what if you disagree with him? You know, he's got, he's a person with a life and a family and commitments, and he has an emotional uh, concern. Why? why no, 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 we need to destroy Donald Trump or whoever else. And in this, this way of approaching politics, it just means the civilization is just trapped in this cycle of kind of a civil war, cold civil war, mm -hmm. yeah. that never goes hot because no, everyone's afraid to breach the boundaries. But if they can get away with it, they will absolutely do it. Yeah. And that's awful. Never say never. We are going into 2024 here. So it's going to be grim. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I mean, a lot of British conservatives disagree with me. I don't think anyone's actually agreed with me on this, but I'm more optimistic for, for Britain and for England specifically to kind of pull itself out of the, the morass of modernity 
much more than Canada, New Zealand, Australia, or America. Are you optimistic? I, am I optimistic about Well, I think that there are pros and cons in, in both cases. And I think, Evans, I think the main reason why you think that there, there is more promise in Britain is because we're more of a unitary state. So There's an underlying sense of civility that does not exist in the States. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so well, that's, that's might a, be going away, but it's still at least yeah. there. It's definitely we're, under we're, attack. We're, 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 we're certainly maybe about five, five or ten years behind mm. but, but, but behind. Um, the United States in terms of how quickly our, that culture of civility is corroding. We have a pretty good instance here of how it very much is corroding and you know the, the, mm. the, the institutions which are supposed to represent everybody mm. at least to some reasonable degree like the BBC very clearly taking sides on these questions. Like it's, the banks. Like the yeah. banks as well. Mm. Well of course the, the, the banks but at least you know we pay for the BBC. You'd expect <laughs> that there'd be something, something yeah. in the way of public service and understanding that well, look, Nigel Farage is a very popular person in the country. If anything what you would want in an ultra-civil society in which politics was important but it wasn't everything is you would want the BBC not to not to go with their normal um, tact uh, not their normal procedure of getting two sources to mm -hmm. confirm coots but you, you you'd think well because Nigel Farage is so popular maybe we should be we should redouble our efforts to make mm -hmm. sure that this really is watertight mm -hmm. and you're not getting that one thing that I do think that the United States does benefit from that we don't benefit from is their federal model, the fact that even if California is going down the drain, you can still create pockets of good sense yeah, in places like Florida, Wyoming. in yeah. Tennessee, Wyoming, and other places there is, there, there, there is, an, there is room to, to try and resist some of this stuff on a local federal level, yeah, um, but I think state level. Rather. There's a problem with that though, because it kind of permits the abandonment of exactly. areas of your country and yeah. it permits these people to say, well, hang on a second, I've just got a crazy idea, I'm just going to run with it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, why would you want to run with a crazy idea? Yes. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they, you know, there's good and bad because, of course, you know, the charge would be, well, your culture can be a lot more stagnant and that's, that's true. It yes. can be a lot more stagnant. Yes, but at least California eats the cost of living along Californian lines, whereas, mm. and, and so, sooner or later, you would expect that that is going to that, that, that is going to hit the wall. And they're, they're that's, that's true, but it also has um, other negative effects. I mean, the, the, the boil bursts eventually. Yes. And pollutes the rest of the... No, so the, no, the, it, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything. No, I'm just, yes. you know, it's, it's back and forth, isn't it? The 100,000 homeless people in LA County have to go somewhere eventually. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, why, why does 100,000 people live in, homeless in LA? I mean, it's just mad. You know, <laughs> utterly irresponsible. What about the mainstream? Right? So, we, so we, yeah. we, we, we got in a bit of Yav and we got in a bit of Schmidt. I, I think it's fair to say that <laughs> the, 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 I'm, I think it's fair to say that this isn't the, what really in, in this country what, what really moves the needle in right wing politics. It's far more likely to be organs like the Telegraph and the Daily Mail. And I was really the Labour Party and the Labour <laughs> and the Labour <laughs> Tony Party. Blair. Tony Blair. I was really demoralised to see that there was a yeah. piece carried by the Telegraph by Kate Andrews. Uh, in, uh, I think she's. Economics editor at the Spectator, yeah. <clears throat> a, a reliable libertarian. I think she worked on Romney's campaign in 2012, saying that the, the sheer fact that the banks have the freedom to choose who they want mm. to do business with and who they don't want to do business with is a testament to the fact that we are a free society, free yeah. and enterprising. Just, just build your own bank, bro. Just build your yeah. own bank. Yeah. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think those people are numerous enough in the, the country really to. To, to, to make as much of a difference as they as they might do under different circumstances, but they they, they certainly can immobilize our mm -hmm. effort a little bit by being on board. Um, I mean, I would trust these people to. Uh, I don't firstly, I don't understand why they think that arbitrary tyranny, when exercised by the government, is just the most lamentable thing in the world. But arbitrary tyranny, yeah. arbitrary tyranny, when exercised by a private company with extremely with with with. A, a monopoly of a kind mm. and extremely formidable resources is a perfectly okay thing. We should just look the other way. I think being a libertarian in the midst of a culture war is the functional equivalent of being a pacifist while your neighbors are, oh, arm, worse, arm, yeah. arm, arm, arming to the well, teeth and practi practicing their goose stepping. You, yeah. you, you can always rely on a libertarian to leap in front of a successful maneuver from mm. the right against the left <laughs> right. Yes. and defend the left. I mean, yeah. okay, brilliant, thank you. But yes. I mean, li libertarianism, Honestly, I do view it as basically a left-wing philosophy. Um, the, the obsession with freedom, mm. uh, what does that even mean? What are you being free from? Oh, government coercion, good luck. What also it's, it's nonsense. As, as the American in the room here, libertarianism in Britain just seems bizarre to me. Like at least it yeah. kind of is like rooted in America in the kind of 
founding in the Constitution. Ethos. Yeah. Here it just seems like a strange import. Well, you can say uh, Kate Andrews is American, isn't she? Well, there we go. There we go. Sorry. Well, I don't. Well, I, <laughs> I don't want to get. I don't want to. I don't want to stand, stand, stick up for the Americans too much. I don't agree that at all that the Constitution is a is a libertarian government. Uh, is, is a libertarian document. It's certainly. Um, it's a liberal document. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't even think I would necessarily agree with that because what? I mean, in, in in the Constitution, it isn't just the case that it lists out all sorts of freedoms that people have a right to enjoy. It does also talk about the need for there to be you know, a, a strong sense of, of national defense. Um, uh, the, the founders 100% appreciated, with the potential exception of Thomas Jefferson, that a, 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 a functioning society needs a lot more than just to enumerate the freedoms that everyone is going to enjoy. Mm. Uh, th 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 there was a very strong uh, moral ethic to the, to, the, to the founding of the United States, which wasn't purely Freedom everywhere, all the time. Um, I, that's the first thing I would say on that. But you yeah, know, it, it certainly libertarianism has acquired a certain luster in the United States, which it hasn't here. And to the extent that it's immobilizing our attempts to fight back in the culture war, it's, in, it's incredibly damaging. Well, the um, good thing about libertarians is you can just ignore them. Yes, yeah, because that, that is a nice privilege yes. to have. Speaking because yeah. they want they want to be ignored. Yeah, yeah. yeah nothing will happen <laughs> yeah. if you ignore the libertarians. Yeah. So just ignore them. <laughs> Speaking of the American Constitution, Carl, what is your opinion on its first few lines? Do you find it self-evident that all men are created equal? That, that, those are not the first. That, that is the first line of the Declaration of Independence, which yeah, was written that's 11 true. years before the Constitution, yeah. which is an important because this is the important thing. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, which, why, which is why that document, as a sort of shoot, as, as a as a way of initiating hostilities mm -hmm. with Britain, is incredibly awash with exactly this kind of liberal enlightenment. Uh, utopian language, which is, isn't necessary. The, the, the Constitution is a profoundly anti-egalitarian It was document. a poorly formatted segue, but I'm going to hold you to the question. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that liberalism is... Living on a series of privileges that it gained by reflecting back towards the society that which it already believed. And that's why it works in the English-speaking world, because it's really the sort of distillation of English political doctrine, just what people did, English pol political tradition. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to tell people what they think is good about themselves and have them embrace that and say, yeah, that's a great point. Um, but when it isn't what they believe or what they do, then it becomes archaic and it starts to show its age and how it's a product of a time and a place uh, that no longer exists. And it becomes the kind of dead hand on the civilization that wants to move on from that. And so I'm kind of finding myself against these forms of written constitutions at this point. Do you think that a constitution cannot be constructed but can only be um, revealed, essentially? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, I mean, the, 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 the liberal uh, assumptions just pervade the, the, the opening statement. We think it's self-evident that all men are created equal. It's like, well, mm. it's you, you've you've just opened the door to Rousseau, to say that men are free, but everyone in chains. Um, okay, well, I mean, liber liberalism's entire point was to break the bonds of society in order to enable freedom, and it requires you to take a certain amount of dependence on the state in exchange for the dependence on the family and the friends that you had prior to this. Mm. And the, so the question is, well, which one is better? And I mean, as we see now, many women actually feel that it's better to be dependent on the state rather than a husband. Um, is that good for society? Well, we're finding that the excesses of that are in fact, youth violence, depression, uh, general, um, a general lowering of the quality of life of young mm. women, actually. Um, you, know, you see lots of them saying, well, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I can't find a husband, why is my life turning out this way? And I'm raising children on my own, which is insanely difficult. I mean, I've got a wife, we, we raise children, it's difficult with two of you, mm. you know, with, with your family being involved, let alone being a single mother on benefits, it can't be easy. And so w liberalism was wrong about a lot of things. And so if you've got a document that is infused with liberalism, then it will also be wrong about a bunch of things, even if it is extracting away and subtracting uh, things to say, look, these are virtues of your political system. So yes, they are, but they are underpinned, as you were saying, with deeply Christian morality. 
that is unspoken in many ways. Implicit. It's exactly, it's completely implicit. And in fact, maybe can't really be explained it's, yeah. in its own way. And, and this is the problem that then arises from that is that the principles which are enumerated within something like a constitutional document or, or something like the Declaration of Independence, yeah. they, they take on a life of their own yes. and they can be a, a, applied in circumstances far outside the remit of even someone like Thomas, that, that even some like, someone like Thomas Absolutely. Jefferson would have in his head at the time. Because, and th this because, is because I, I, this goes back a little mm -hmm. bit to what you're mm -hmm. saying about how a constitution, I don't know whether I'd say revealed, that sounds a bit too providential but <laughs> for, for me, but a constitution, yeah, yeah, or, or, or it embodies a, a, a spirit which is already, which is already present yeah. and, and, and needs to find expression. Do you remember as well when the Declaration of Independence was written, that the, the real function of that, this is something which, people, is, let me give an example of how a principle with a perfectly clear um, purpose in say 1776 can take on an entirely different, I mean, when Thomas Jefferson is saying that well, firstly, we know that Thomas Jefferson didn't believe in egalitarianism across the board. Mm. I mean, he thought that blacks were inferior to whites. He thought all sorts of anti-egalitarian things which would put him well outside the pale of discourse today. So he wasn't an egalitarian in that sense. When he says that all men are created equal, what he's try try trying to argue for is the right of the colonists also along with European countries to decide how they, how they are going to be politically constituted. It's saying you can be self-governing in Britain. We want that right here as well. Mm. That's the function of that statement. Mm. But if, if you just take the statement out of its context, all of a sudden it can become a justification for all sorts of mad yeah. schemes to equalize but across every single dimension of human life. Well, just so you get the obsessiveness thing. of identity politics yeah. and, and, but, and, but and what, thinking what and all that. What he's saying there is, um, these are the rights of Englishmen that I am seeking to in sure. impose and yeah. seeking to claim. Mm. But the thing is, the rights of Englishmen are a very parochial thing and a particular thing and lay upon a thousand years of political development and I suppose sentiment is the best way to describe it. And so, and exactly as you say, when you, when you abstract these away into a doctrine and you take it somewhere else, for example, France, mm -hmm. well, you, you have something totally different. Why did you pick France as an example? Because that <laughs> happens to be what happened. Yes. Uh, and it, I mean, and the, the, there is such a world of difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. Yes. And the fact that the French Revolution went off the rails so very quickly mm. shows the need for the unspoken implicit structures that the doctrine was appealing to without knowing to which it was appealing. Exactly. And without those, you get bloody mayhem. Mm. Uh, Roger Scruton wrote once about the, this exact difference between the French Revolution and, sorry, the American Revolution, which came first, that's important, mm. and the French Revolution, which came a, a little later, um, uh, that the French Revolution was a recipe for a new order of things. Yes. Mm. Whereas the, the, the American Revolution was an attempt in the minds of most of mm. the Founding fathers, this is me adding, adding, in the minds of most of the founding fathers, not Thomas Jefferson, who did go a little bit overboard yes. in loving the French Revolution, it was an attempt to reclaim what the English had always, English speaking peoples had always enjoyed as a matter of custom. Yes. And, and so all of the, the, apart from the constitution, which was also trying to say, well, we don't, we, now we don't have a king, how are we going to organize politically? There was, a, there was a little bit of ingenuity there, a little bit of creativity there that, that was different and it has you know, survived 250 mm -hmm. years or so, it's pretty impressive. But most of it was an attempt to affirm certain things that were already believed to be true. And that exactly. needs to be remembered. So it was in many ways a very conservative revolution. In many ways, and, mm. and it also fits very neatly into just English constitutional history. Go, you, I, I did this a while ago. I just went through practically every major um, milestone in English constitutional history, and you always get the words "the ancient customs and liberties." Yes, mm. the ancient. It's mm. it's there's there's some part, part uh, some time in prehistory mm. uh, that the English think everything was perfect. Yeah. Mm. We had it all right, yes. and one day we'll get back there. Um, step by step by step yes. by going forwards and it's in in literally everything ancient liberties and customs yes and so the and the American Declaration of Independence and Constitution is actually you were completely right it's completely on that that stage it's mm. on it's on that path yes it's a, it's in that tradition it's yeah. like well hang on a second we are Englishmen we have rights yes and I think it was John Adams who said well, like what we did is we perfected the English Constitution mm. we didn't try and refashion it yeah we mm. didn't create something new whereas yes. then the French are well, we don't have this tradition. Yes. Well, then you good luck. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're on your own. But, but again, it was it was always kind of intended to be for for English men. Um, yeah. One of the ideas that I've kind of been bandying about is, and I know everybody has a kind of their own theory for the the genesis of, uh, of wokeism, mm. um, but I think that liberalism has underneath it what we might call an IED, 
or an inarticulated mm-hmm. equality yeah. drive, yeah. Um, which is basically when you, you say all men are created equal, mm-hmm. you take out the creator, all men are equal, they're not. And then you have to kind of create uh, systematic justifications for why there are any sort of disparities between groups. Do you think that this sort of fundamental incoherency or, or contradiction within what's left of the liberal creed um, is kind of started mostly in America, though it got some imports from the French and is now working its way over here, is kind of a plausible reason why we're going under this, uh, I don't know, this woke torrent, this uh, this new rise of zealotry from the left? Well, wokeism is totally mappable. We know where it's come from, what its influences were, and what it's striving to achieve. Um, so it is, it is an inherent weakness of liberal civil rights if you have the framing that, oh, well, if, if say, uh, men are oppressed by women or blacks are oppressed by whites or whatever you have, if you have this calculus of oppression, what is actually the reason not to simply add more categories hmm. to further narrow and intensify the constituency of who is the most oppressed? Right. And that's all intersectionality really is. Yes. And that's the, the fundamental weakness of liberalism is that we thought it would just stop on the surface. I, I slightly disagree with this. So I, I, think mm-hmm. that, I think that liberalism trades under, under many different descriptions and that therefore a slam dunk argument against one variant of liberalism it doesn't necessarily work as a mm-hmm. slam dunk variant against another argument of liberalism. There is certainly, this goes back to what I was saying about you know, c- certain uh, you know, unexamined statements mm-hmm. Uh, which have a lot of implicit reasoning built into them when they take on a life of their own. That can certainly happen, and liberalism can certainly metastasize and mutate in certain ways. Well, but what the classical liberalism fundamentally says, and I, yeah. I st- I'm still against it. No, no, I'm I, still I, against I, it. I know where you're going. But one, one, what classical liberalism fundamentally says is that the individual is the ultimate minority. Yes. It doesn't try and group people and 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 and, and throw them against each other into mm-hmm. in a zero sum game. And so th- th- that that's why a, a classical liberalism of the Anglo variety is always an attempt. It's always been an attempt to try and enlarge the, 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 the maximize the freedom of the individual mm. in the private sphere. There isn't necessarily anything public a, a, about its commitment at all. Whereas mm. in wokeism, in wokery today, there, there's nothing. There's nothing close to resembling that. It's 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 an attempt to. And I can tell ma- you on the guy as well. Go on then. It's the civil rights legislation. Yep. In 1967, I think. <coughs> uh, 1965. 65. Sorry. Uh, where where it became positive. Because mm. everything about classical liberalism is negative, and it feels correct. But suddenly, now you have to give equal consideration to various different groups. So you have you have finalized and formalized the categorization of human beings mm-hmm. into classes, mm-hmm. rather than saying, "Well, this man, you mm. know, w- which in previous years would have been this Englishman, has a right not to be treated in this way." And, that, 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 I, and I completely agree with you. But that, but that's a mutation. That's not a logical development, is it, it? It's it's not even a mutation. I would say it's actually a foreign invasion. Fine. Um, but it, it, but, the, but point, the point I'm trying to make is I don't think that classical liberalism has built into it some kind of inner logos which cashes out in the form of wokeism today. It has this weakness because it is it is understood that there are classes of people, and so you can bring this new way of looking at these things into it, which unfortunately has happened um, for good reasons, for moral reasons. But the, the, the point being, if that is prohibited by the state, then you don't have classical liberalism anymore. You don't have what you were aiming for yes. anymore. Right? Yes. And, so, and the only way to save it would be to say, okay, we're going to have to roll it all back yes. and get rid of that as well. And the ethos that underpinned it. And, we, I mean, and this, this began there. But now we have the Human Rights Act of 1999, I yes. think it was, which is essentially uh, the same thing. Yeah. And, the, the, and this, so this, this new layer on our society... Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever going to be the public will to get rid of, and so we're trapped with it. It's definitely a problem. Mm. I don't want to be too. I don't want to be too pedantic uh, because it, I think we all agree that. No, this, I'm this, happy with pedantry. Oh, great pedantry is allowed. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, I'm your man. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, the okay. The, the uh, there is a there is a form, there is a. I think that people speak often on the right speak very clumsily about liberalism, and yes. I regard myself as resentfully. Resent, well, certainly resentfully as well, but also clumsily, because I, I, I regard myself as an opponent of all the different var- varieties of, of liberalism. I just have different reasons mm. of, for being opposed to each mm. and every single one mm. of them, and I don't think that classical liberalism gets you. No. Because, I mean, we were speak- speaking before, and you said that h- here's the question you should ask the, the liberal. If you really want a, a liberal to cringe, say, what do we do? Yeah. What should yeah. I do? How should I live? Yeah. 
if that's true of classical liberalism, then it's impossible to say that uh, liberalism necessarily leads to leads to some you know rampant identity politics. Because if you say to someone who believes in rampant identity politics, what should we do? They have about fifteen answers. Prioritize any victim group that exactly. comes to mind. Uh, so th so even, there is a no there is a the, the point then. is that there is a there is a normative framework to even to to that to to. Uh, Wokery, which does make it anathema to liberalism as well, but it, it's, well, very, it's certainly very, it's certainly very good at hijacking liberalism Damn. and using it against itself. But I don't think it is uh, even, a, a logical endpoint of liberal thinking. Even wokery can't answer you what you should do. Right? It, it can say what you uh, shouldn't do and, mm. and who and what group you should advance, but it can't tell a person what a good life is. It still can't do that. Well, they can do. It's it, Not well, really. Because it, it, it says that a good life is. It's tra tra trans negative. transgressing against uh, the prevailing social structures and repeat, re replacing them with new ones, which better, which, 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 which better harmonise with our creed of equity, diversity, and inclusion. I don't think that that's the. I don't, I don't think that's what they would say is the good life. I think that they would say that's necessary to open up the option to a good life, um, but that's not what you. That's I not you'll you should go. You'll to still end up on some endless vista. Exactly. You know, yeah. and now it's like no, you're free. Yeah. You're still free, and so even then. It's opening up, unlocking barriers that we wouldn't consider barriers, obviously. Um, but even even then, it doesn't have a normative description of what you should right, do. Right, much like right. Rousseau, it's like man is born free, and then everybody's still placed concerned in chains. with the chains. Even if you yeah. got rid of all the chains, yeah. then where the hell do you go off to? Exactly, unburdened well, by everything but, else. But I, 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 I but, do it's a, but it is, but it, it is a relentlessly normative project. And so the point that you're, you're certainly right that it has very precious little to say, mm. you know, how you sh how you should be with your wife, or mm. you know, how, it, 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 it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't give you everything you need. It, it doesn't speak to the human person no. in in a in, in a multifaceted sense. Yes. And so in, to that extent, you're right. It, it is certainly morally lacking. It doesn't. It can only it, speak to systems. Yeah, it can only speak to systems. But yeah. it doesn't give you enough. But it but it still is much more normative in terms. It has a blueprint for society. It it it, 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 it has a it, it it has a conception of what justice is. It these does, yeah. these are not. Uh, Classically liberal in any meaningful sense. I agree. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, okay. yeah. Right. I would call it comprehensively liberal, um, where it, it does it does have a view on what society. Is, but you, I think you're exactly right. It's you, mm. classical liberalism. It's not that it's in, inevitable that it will end this way, mm -hmm. um, but it is vulnerable to end in mm. this way. I agree. Well, and it has ended this. Way. I agree. Exactly. With all so, of that. And and so uh, like uh, for example, a lot of people on the right who have never really been liberals. Are just resentful and bitter against liberalism for for destroying things that he loves, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm not resentful about liberalism because I just came out of it actually quite rationally mm. um, by just examining it in great well, the, detail. The reason why I do very much the reason <laughs> it certainly helps. So, the, 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 the reason why I do object to because I want to make it clear mm. that I'm not shilling for classical liberalism no, no, either. No, no, I, I don't, just, for, just just a quick thing. That's that's, yeah. that's not how this comes across. Uh, the, or at least to me, anyway. Well, you I'm, are I'm right. concerned about the viewers. I'm sure they'll understand. Right? You, you, are, you are absolutely right about that. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, once the, the, the dye is in, in, the, in the water, in the cup, you can't be removed. Hmm. No, absolutely. And that's why I, I don't think that the answer to our current moment hmm. is to, well, let's have a revival of classical liberalism, because I think that lib classical liberalism is full of all sorts of it has all sorts of chinks in its armour, mm. which would only mean that we're in exactly the same position about 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I don't, I'm not in favour of anything like that. But the reason why I think that, I just want to say why I think classical liberalism has, I wouldn't say that it has an inner logic which drives it in the direction of wokeism because it is so different from wokeism in terms of its understanding mm. of what justice is. But one reason why it does, uh, it is vulnerable to that, is precisely because it reduces people to atomistic scraps of paper, mm. once they find themselves in that situation, they become incredibly vulnerable to the prevailing ideological headwinds. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and so that's what tends to happen. When, uh, when, 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 once you deracinate people in this way, mm. a, a, hunger development, mm. a hunger develops to try and re-enchant society in some, in some sort of grand collective mission. And so, so ide ideology can, uh, can, 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 certain, can certainly make a very strong claim on people when they feel as though they're not uh, being inducted into anything grand, well, anything the, the claims world that historical ideologies make on people. It's just not inherently obvious to me that people actually want to be treated as individuals. I think it's good it's for exactly. a society mm. um, to do so to a degree, but I mean, like, 
I mean, what people want to do for, for even for leisure activities is to go to a football match and mm. be a part of a crowd or, or is to be in part of a team. It, it doesn't seem to me that this, um, this, this drive towards uh, intersectionality, which of course, you know, at the, the end point is just a single man, mm. is actually what people want to be treated as. And, and the more that we treat people as individuals in a kind of nebulous sense, the more they cling on to any sort of um, yeah. whatever you C might collective call Collective identity that you yeah, can get their hands or on. Egregore yeah, or egregore or anything that will provide them a sort of tether to other people. Yes. Um, as we were talking about earlier too, now that familial ties have been so um, shattered, people are seeking new families elsewhere. And especially with the internet and the way that uh, these different sort of uh, idea pathogens can rapidly mutate and spread through them. Um, people just uh, latch on to something. Um, could be COVID, could be BLM, mm. could be just up oil. Yes. And anything that will provide meaning. But it seems that the, the speed of the evolution of uh, this mimetic transfer is, is increasing rapidly, which makes me think that we're heading to some sort of, some sort of inflection point. Just as a quick thing on the liberalism thing, uh, the, the, the key Achilles heel of liberalism was the concern for liberty, actually. Um, because that can be rendered in all manner of ways. Oh, yes. mm -hmm. Now now the human body itself is intrinsically inhibiting liberty, mm -hmm. and so men need to be able to transition and blah, 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 yes. blah, blah, right? So the, the, but the, this, this is the problem with the abstract doctrine, is that you can monomaniacally focus on one thing to the exclusion of all other things. Um, but I, otherwise, I, I do agree with your characterization yes. of liberalism. Yeah, I and I think, I, I, and, I, and I definitely agree. I, I, weirdly, I think that... Uh, liberalism, classical liberalism of the negative mm. kind, which is constantly about effectively throwing off chains. It's basically about throwing off chains which were unchosen. That's what it's basically about. That's it, all of liberalism. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's a rejection it's, of thrownness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a rejection. I would say it's a rejection of, of givenness insofar as givenness isn't voluntarily assented to. So uh, that's what I think liberalism goes to war against. And so I do think that liberalism of the classical negative variety actually has a lot more to answer for in the trans aspect of this debate than it does on the racial identity politics side of this debate, which is, you know, hmm. collectivizing in a sense that liberalism would be very uncomfortable with. That's why you have lots of very confused classical liberals hmm. looking at the way in which a, a, a noble uh, Should I be using someone's chosen pronouns? Say that again. Should but I be using someone's yeah, yes, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yes. Well, and these were freely chosen, were they not? Mm. Well, actually, there, there are other arguments <laughs> yes. to suggest that that's not the only standard of morality. Actually. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Consent cannot be the dividing line between good and evil in every, yeah, exactly. in, yeah. in, exactly. in every single circumstance. Exactly. Uh, so there are all of these uh, vulnerabilities uh, mm. built in, um, to be sure. Now, regardless of how we how we got here, we're yes. here, yes. Um, and I always like to try to keep things fairly. Um, actionable and practical. Mm -hmm. So, it, much like the civil rights law, of like regardless of if it was a good idea to enact it in the U.S. or what was it, the human I mean, rights legislation? It probably was a good here. idea at the time. Yeah, it probably felt like a good idea. We have it now. Um, so, Carl, you, you've you've done some amazing work with Lotus Eaters, kind of building a alternative institution on on the right. Um, for the people at home, kind of watching this, um, kind of inspired by what you've done mm -hmm. and this this team that you've put together, what would be some like practical day-to-day -day guidance that you could actually give people that is achievable, but is also going to net some beneficial results. Oh, pick up the phone and ring your mum. Hmm. Just ring your mum. She wants to hear from you. She really wants to hear from you. That's it. That's literally all you I need think to I do. Line of call too, yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everyone does. All right, literally just, just go around and see your nan. Just seriously. That's it. That's the that's all you need to do. If you gave your mum a phone call about six o'clock every evening, she'd be thrilled, I bet. Maybe not every evening, but like, you know, once a week you rang your mum, that would make her life immeasurably better, and that would make your life better too. Mm. You know, you, you, every, every week you just tell her about your day, tell her about your week. Are we trying, yeah. to, are we trying to radicalize mum politically? Or? No, 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 just talk to her about like what you did. The you ship's know? already sailed on <laughs> just, Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, 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 obviously, yeah. Uh, Good, good, good mums are already radical. Yes. Um, but the, the, it's the small human things that the traditional side, the conservative side, needs to really understand that are actually the valuable things. To be important in someone's day. And so when they, when, when you get into a habit of ringing your mum, she'll come to look forward to it, she'll come to expect it. Mm. You know, and you, you'll build up the habit of nourishing the human connection that you have there. And there's all, all, all of these little things are what make life worth living for not just you, but the other people 
So that is the thing. Because I mean, we're, we're always in the habit of the left. Oh, what giant political action? No, there is no giant political action for the right. But what there is, is creating something that the left, not just blind to, but just have no sensory perception of. Mm. You know, they don't understand that this is where goodness really resides. So revivify the family and from that all no, 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 that's abstract, that's abstract. Revivify the family, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean in practice? Right, that's, a, I'm not having a go, but it's a, you know, that's, a, that's an abstract, again, something the left would be able to understand, to try mm. and put into action. Right, no, you want to know about your mum's day. Like, that's what you're doing. You, know, you, 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 you want to tell her about something you've done. You, know, you, you have to live through, like they, 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 I mean, the conservative doesn't have a word for praxis, right? Because they don't have a theory, they just have the action. And that's what you should be doing. You should be just living authentically in the action. So do the thing for the person that you love that you feel needs to be done, and you will have made a more concrete step than writing 10,000 words. Yeah, that's good advice for a lot of people in Westminster. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's just good, good advice for anyone, anyway. Yeah. Um, also, too, on, on the subject of kind of founding lotus eaters here. Hmm. Um, it took a lot of work yeah, to get to that point. I, yeah, I can, I can <laughs> it imagine. Took a, it took a lot of, breath, a lot of thought. A lot of, what do you mean by that? How did it take a long time? It to took a lot, of, uh, a lot of time to, and a lot of reading to get to the... Call your mom stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It took a lot okay. to get to that because it's, it's easy to think that, oh, I can think my way through all these things. And eventually you get to the point where you're like, right, okay, I did a lot of thinking and I didn't really change where I was. Uh, but a phone call to your mum definitely changes. Right, things. it reminds me a lot of like kind of the bell curve meme. In the yeah, far left and the far right, it's just call your mum. Oh, it's yeah. totally true. The bell curve meme is totally true. Like Grug is right. He just doesn't know why he's right. Mm. And like you know the super IQ, 140 IQ guy, he's right, and he knows Grug is right, and he knows why Grug is right. And then the midwit in the middle is still trying to make the revolution. Well, this, this, well, th yes, <laughs> this is true. But the, the, but that does also testify to the fact, and I'm not sure I completely agree with you when you say the the, cons con the conservative has no theory. I mean, yeah, the, 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 I didn't. I was being flipped. Okay, well, it, okay, well, in, in every action, um, this is something that uh, for the conservative, the theory comes afterwards, right? The theory explains why you did what you did, whereas for the left, the theory comes first, and is the command for action. Ah, I don't know whether I agree with that either. No, I, I, I would say that theory isn't dwelt upon too much. I, th I think that the theory for it tends to be implicit, and it, and, and it, well, it has to come afterwards then. How, so why does it have to come afterwards if it's implicit? Because if you can't articulate it in advance, but you can't w w act. okay, well, no, because when you're calling your mother, mm. you're implicitly assenting to the proposition that it is good to revivify the family, and which which is Evan's abstract formulation for that. And so, yeah, it, if, it, the, if the proposition was never articulated, then you weren't acting upon it. You were doing something else out of you, habit. You were acting in the service of a pro of an unarticulated proposition, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that the sentiment that goes into that proposition, that the thought that goes into that proposition, isn't there the, just because you sure, haven't sure, sure. cashed it out in linguistic form yet. Sure, but then. I mean, this leads to a much more complex conversation. Is <laughs> is about whether actually do ideas exist well, independently of our own thoughts? Yeah, well, the, the, Wittgenstein writes about this in his, yeah. in, in his, in his paper on certainty. He says he says he says he he just he agrees with you. I think he, yeah. he or rather you agree with him. Right. <laughs> Probably for safe no, words. No, he can agree. With <laughs> he, he says I that, haven't read his paper. Uh, well, he's, he's, he uses the example of squirrels. He says when mm. squirrels, you know, bury nuts for the mm. winter, is it because they think that they've disproved Hume's objection to the idea that the past doesn't that the future doesn't always resemble the past, or do they just do it? And <laughs> and then he asks the question: To what extent are we a little bit more like that as human beings yes. than we'd like mm -hmm. to acknowledge? Uh, but I, I don't agree with that. I, I do think that uh, I, I do think that we are rational creatures, That's and therefore true. it is it is completely legitimate for um, the conservative also to have his own theories. I mean, he mm -hmm. he, he will be less heavy-handed with them. He won't regard them as everything. He won't fetishize theory completely, irrespective from from an independent, mm -hmm. irrespective of an independent of practice. You know, mm -hmm. workability, practicability is also important. Uh, but there is always an implicit theory, I, I think, driving dr driving the conservative p person's action as much as as much as on the left. And so, well, so I, what is it, before we move on from that, I yeah. find that interesting because uh, for me, in my, from from my perspective, it seems that the conservatives' theories are a way of explaining what has already happened. Mm -hmm. right? So they're descriptive. Mm. Uh, but the left theories are not descriptive; they're alchemical. They're they want to create. They want to usher, a, it, into, usher it into being. Yeah. Exactly. They, they've already established a priori 
uh, a good and wish to you know, modify the world around it. And so this is a, a much longer and more interesting conversation okay. that we should have sometime. Um, yes. It would, but, it, I, would, yeah. I, would, I would very much like to. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, that, maybe yeah. you can put it out as an extra. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll have us on Lotus Eaters and talk about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love love to. To. Love Do to. you think that there is actually now, though, a rise of what we might call right wing progressives? In that we. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> please, please expand upon that's, that, that's, deep, that, that deep the next, sigh. <laughs> that's, that's the next <laughs> question. Oh, my God. Just, just, oh, just. I mean, to call them right wing is the insult, really. For them, hmm. um, I mean the next the next question is not just what should we do, where are we going? Mm, yeah. Is the next question that will destroy the progressive liberal? Well, I don't know. What do you mean? Where are we going? I don't know why we're doing anything. You know, <laughs> like, what's the end goal? I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, why am I getting in the car with you if you yeah. don't know where you're driving? You know, the, yes. the, the, these these are just questions that they can't answer. They hmm. they have no idea what the answer for. Um, and then you get the kind of um, uh, kind of talk TV. Uh, right-wing progressive is that what the sort of person you're talking about yes in a sense I would say there's kind yeah. of two definitions that you could use to it because I think that what some people might consider reactionary could also be classified as right-wing progressives okay go on. expand that for me just so because I think that I think that I'm happy to disagree on this but I think that conservatism as a kind of psychological modality of kind of like wanting to flee into the past or wanting mm. things to stay stagnant is a fundamentally failing strategy mm. Um, I also think that utopianism is extremely dangerous. Yeah. But I think what we see with like a lot of um, what you might call the, the new right or certainly aspects of it um, or a kind of more explicitly reactionary movement is a kind of right-wing react, not reactionary, right-wing uh, utopian ideal of mm -hmm. this is where we're going to go and we're going to reformat. So the theory would then be coming first. Yeah. So they're taking, they're kind of fighting fire with fire here and they're mm -hmm. taking what's worked for the left over the past 70 years or so, you know, we could start it off with Herbert Marcuse and go all the way up until now and saying we're going to retrofit this entire praxis, mm. kind of, to format for an explicitly right-wing ideal, which is deeply outside the Overton window now, but is also gaining traction and is gaining popularity. What do you make of, of the rise of this kind of, this sentiment? The advantage that the left has here is they're appearing they, they always appeal to the self hmm. right and so you can have and so this is very easy to motivate people with self-interest uh, but the problem that the right has is that they would need to appeal to something outside of the self so you could have a very rich and uh, lovely civilization that requires duty and self-sacrifice on your part which is appealing but the problem is I think encapsulated by C.S. Lewis in Men Without Chests, mm -hmm. uh, where to be able to nurture the amount of love required to really pull these people to action, I think is just the men without chests kind of coping over the fact that their hearts are shriveled and hollow and their heads seem so much bigger by comparison. Um, it's, it's a good theory, it, it sounds nice, but it's too much theory. You were meant to be living this. You're meant to be full and embracing of the love of life that you realize you've lost, but you can't just think your way back into. Mm. You have to live it. You know, you have to. This is why I'm saying pick up the phone and call mm. your mum. So, you know? what would your response be then? Because unfortunately, we're running out of time, but what, out of interest, what would your response be to a cynic who, in answer mm. to that, says, well, that's all very well? for your mum and for you and obviously you're doing something valuable there mm. interpersonally but is that going to get us out of this civilizational morass does that not require more large-scale action than just being mm. more humane in your personal life uh, that um, which is a very left-wing view is uh, if we just get a mass movement then we can fix it mm -hmm. and that's just not how the right should understand human beings because really what it, the 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 class is a result of the constituency, not the other way around, right? So if you have um, a civilization of people who on an individual level genuinely love those things that are around them, um, then the, I guess what we call the human capital, I hate to use that term, of, of the, the civilization is just so much greater and, so, and you have people who are prepared to fight for it and do, and, and, and not just fight, but to go out of their way. Mm. For these things, right? Because they they feel impelled by some deep inner love, 
and sentiment to do the things that they're going to do and that need to be done. Um, if you just have a bunch of uh, chestless men who just think it's the right thing to do, they're not going to be the ones doing it, right? And so you, this, this is not, you know, to, to C.S. Lewis's chest is something you have to nurture over a very long period of time. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm, I'm at the beginning of the journey that I began in like my late thirties. Like, right, okay, how can I genuinely find the love of my civilization that my grandparents had? You know, the, the, my parents still, to some st- extent, have. But to me, and the sort of my generation onward, have been there's been a break there, where I'm not on the same continuum of civilization as those people, and it's hard to get back this kind of. I mean, you know, it'll be crudely termed as nostalgia and derisively termed as nostalgia. But it's, and nostalgia is a part of it because nostalgia means longing for home. Mm. And that's the thing where- Means the desire to return home. Yeah. Mm. And so where is my home and why do I feel like I belong there? And that's the, the chest that connects to all the things around you. And it's, it's not something you can just bring back. Mm. And so this is why I'm saying just every day, just bring him up. Home is a good concrete starting point. Well, uh, yeah. Carl, it's been a real privilege having you on Deprogrammed. Evan, thank you as ever. You've been watching Deprogrammed. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment if you wish, and we shall see you on the next one. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.